Hello and welcome to Dare to Know, interviews with quality and reliability thought leaders. I'm Tim Rogers, and today I'm pleased to welcome Ryan Chan. Good afternoon. I'm glad you're here, Ryan. Ryan is the CEO and founder at Upkeep Maintenance Management. He's a chemical engineer from UC Berkeley, and he was named one of Forbes under 30 for manufacturing in 2018. Ryan says he started Upkeep out of passion and frustration by the lack of mobility in today's maintenance management software. Upkeep has been deployed to over a thousand businesses and is a leader in, in mobile first maintenance management software. Ryan Chan, welcome and thanks for joining us. Of course, I'm happy to be here, Tim. Well, Ryan, let me start. Your, your company recently did a survey of maintenance managers and discovered that the majority are still using spreadsheets or even pencil and paper to do their jobs. We are living in the 21st century here, aren't we? What's, what's going on? Oh my gosh, we are. Um, just to give you a little bit of perspective, you're right. We did a survey. Over 75% of companies that we surveyed still use paper and pencil for, for tracking maintenance. That's crazy. Um, I saw this. I lived this firsthand. Just to give you uh, some perspective, I actually worked in a manufacturing plant where, yeah, we were using paper, pencil, spreadsheets, and it was terrible to, to, to manage. Um, we're living in, like you said, the, the 21st century where technology is rampant. Technology is everywhere. Technology has made it so easy to purchase software and build software. But that doesn't always translate into implementing software. Right. Um, and especially at these manufacturing companies, what we're seeing is that it's still very, very slow to adopt. And the biggest question you're probably wondering is why? Why is it so difficult to adopt? Um, what we're finding and what we see is, is that the least tech-savvy users of the world are given the most difficult to use software. Wow. Um, when, we, when we talk about like implementing software, it's not an easy process. And when you give extra work to a maintenance technician, to a facility manager, there's no reason for them to want to implement new software. Um, so I think we really need to just change the entire narrative of you know, building software for, for technicians and making it easier on their day, not more difficult. So I think what you're saying is there's really no incentives for these people to use software for their jobs. Is, is that right? There's, there's very little incentive. If you're, if you're working in a facility um, and someone, one of your bosses comes up to you and says, hey, we should, we should move off of paper and pencil. The first thing you're, you're going to wonder is, why should I do this and why now? Why, is it, why, why should I do this for myself? Why should I do this for the business? And why, do, why should we do this right now? It, it has to come from a place of, of value. We have to think about implementing software and technology as a place from we are going to get a, a stronger return on our investment. We're going to work better. We're going to get better data about our facility, about how we can improve. Um, and, and it all starts with adopting to a piece of software that actually makes your lives and your days easier, not the opposite, not, not more cumbersome. Gotcha. And so 
building technology today, and if you look at a lot of maintenance solutions today, it, it does the opposite in my eyes. It makes it makes the work and the days of a, a facility manager or a maintenance technician, a reliability engineer, more difficult, not not easier. Hey Ryan, can we can we get a little specific? What kind of data are, are we talking about here? What kind of information is currently being recorded on paper and pencil that you you think would be, would be better? Uh, do you think folks would be, would be better served if they use software instead? Sure. So one of the biggest things that that we try to move our customers to is moving from a place of being reactive. So let, let's say you're working at a manufacturing facility, your boiler goes down. Instead of being reactive, we want to move your your team from responding to that boiler going down to being more preventative or more predictive. So what we want to set our customers up with is using a, a system of record to track not just all the reactive things that happen on this boiler, but all the preventative maintenance schedules. And what that's going to enable your team to do is, is drive better decisions about how to maintain that piece of equipment, how to maintain that boiler to maintain um, an optimal efficiency versus just, just constantly putting out fires. Sure. Sure. That makes sense. You know, Ryan, it feels like these systems have been around for a while, but they're, they're still not widely adopted. You, you were talking about this a little bit earlier. What, what do you think are some of the barriers here? Is this uh, just ease of use or our training or are we, uh, I mean, what's standing in our way from, and what can be done to overcome the, those barriers? Mm-hmm. Great question, Tim. So to answer to answer it very bluntly, you know, one part of it is adoption, and that's what we just talked about. But I think the second most important, second mainly maybe more important factor to this is shifting the way that we view maintenance. Hmm. Um, if you think about a maintenance team, if they do their job really freaking well, if they do their job perfectly, literally no one's going to hear about them. Good point. Um, that means that. Equipment in a facility is just running smoothly. There's no fires to be put out. And one of the biggest challenges is recognizing the folks in maintenance for the work that they do. Yeah. Um, you know, and if we if we enable the teams um, to do their job really effectively, that's going to drive that question of why why should we implement new software? Why should we why should we do this now? It comes from this place of, hey, we, we're shifting the narrative of maintenance to, to move it from a cost center to somewhat, some, a program that we actually recognize and that we appreciate. Yeah. Um, and if we do that, I, I truly believe that we'll, we'll see a much wider adoption of not just software, but better maintenance practices. You know, this problem sounds very familiar to me. There's always money to fix problems after they happen. But there never seems to be time or money to address the preventative angle here. You know, do the preventative maintenance. Um, it is. I mean, you've met, you've successfully managed to implement your solution at over a thousand companies. I'm not asking you to give anything away here, but I'm just wondering if you've learned anything about what about successful implementations. How can we get past these these uh, barriers? How can we get past them? I think it really comes from. Um, note, figuring out where you are today as a company. Um, 
if you don't know where you are today, you don't know where you're going tomorrow. From from mm. a you know maintenance or a reliability perspective, that basically means you know we 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 look at different metrics for for maintenance, and one of them can be like the planned work versus unplanned work. Right. Um, you can look at machine or equipment uptime, downtime. You could look at you know parts utilization. But what we found with so many companies that when we first started implementing them, they had no clue where they were. Huh. They had no clue, you know, where they stood for for planned versus unplanned work. They didn't know how to track uh, machine uptime or downtime. Wow. And I think what, what we find is most successful in every single implementation is just having a baseline of where you are today and knowing where you want to go. And let's call it you know, three months, six months, 12 months from now. And if you set that goal, if you set that goal in the very beginning, we're going to help drive you towards those goals. And we're going to see an amazing, successful implementation. You know, again, it's more about cost avoidance than it is about uh, anything else. You know, by implementing these kinds of solutions, you, you don't have to spend money further down the road. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's, it is a, I, I think the one of the big um, challenges is that you can't see the cost of maintenance in the future. Um, but but what's crazy, what, what you can do though is you can you can basically look at models for how much maintenance cost that you put in, in in the past and extrapolate that into the future. And I don't think people do that enough. Sure, no, I agree. Um, and again, this is this seems to be a very common problem in reliability engineering. You know, we we can always look at costs after they occur, but trying to estimate uh, in advance, particularly for new systems, you know, that have been implemented where we don't really have a lot of history about how they're they will perform. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Have you been able to? Uh, you know, I I I don't know how much of your academic. Uh, 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 work has gone into the development of your software, but I wonder what kind of modeling, if any, you use as part of your upkeep s- software. I mean, I do, do you do you use any kind of theoretical models to help you, you know, predict uh, f- f- failure rates or, or f- failure modes or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, let me let me take a little bit of a, a step back. Um, the, the answer is yes. In, in upkeep, in, in the product that we've built, we have this machine learning predictive model that can help our customers predict when failures will occur. But right. I, I want to take a step back and say that that is probably, that is a very, very mature process that 95% of first-time customers don't need to solve for today. Good. They need to solve for getting off of paper and pencil into a way that they can track all of their data. They need to know where they stand today before they can start getting predictive about it. That makes sense. So again, they're basically capturing the behavior of their current systems. Right. Before you can start being predictive about maintenance, before you can start creating machine learning algorithms and models, you have to start with this data layer that 95% of our customers don't have yet. Wow. So, you know, for, for us, like we want to get all of our companies and our customers 
to this perspective of of being very proactive, predictive uh, about the you know machine failure rates. But we also want to be realistic about where your team is today. And we find that a lot of the times that that starts with a very simple process. For yeah. us, it starts with data going into a system. It then translates into, into um, being able to track KPIs, metrics, reports. Yeah. And then what you can start do, doing is starting to take actions off of these um, reports and KPIs. And then once you've done that, then you can move to this predictive model. So Ryan, do you find that I mean, who, who, who do you think provides most of the support for your uh, for for this these kinds of systems? I mean, who do you find is m- most interested or most you know willing to give this a try? Is it the reliability engineers on the f- front line, the, the the maintenance managers, or do you find uh, that you get uh, people excited at other levels in the organization? Yeah, I mean, for for us, the way that we built our company and our product, it starts at the at the ground floor. It starts with the reliability engineers. It starts with the maintenance technicians. Um, if you try to implement a top down solution and you don't get buy in from the very very you know the the end users of the product, the ones that are actually out in the field inputting data in, you're going to have a very hard time. Um, reporting on that data. You're going to have a very difficult time with implementation if you don't get end user um, buy-in and support. And so what we found is that the most successful companies, it starts with the end user and trying to make their daily lives easier and starts with the the reliability engineers who are just determined to to make machine uptime just go up by 5x. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, again, I'm not asking you to give anything away from your clients here, but um, obviously the people who have implemented these systems are, uh, I would argue, have a competitive advantage over the companies that don't. Um, What do you think it's going to take to get more people on board here? What's going to take? That's a great question. Um, I think it really starts with taking a hard look at where you are as a company, as a facility, where you are today uh, and know where you want to be. So basically, I, I think anyone listening to this, it's really about um, just making it a point to figure out what, what are our core metrics of our business, of our department that we want to track and improve. Um, once you do that, just have this mindset that whatever it is, you can always be better. Um, what we always suggest to all of our, our customers and, and facilities that want to improve their reliability practices is don't try to boil the don't try to boil the entire ocean at once. <laughs> um, right. Choose one asset. You know, yes, we want to reduce machine downtime by by you know days of the year, but let's just choose one specific asset of ours. And let's commit to it. Let's just look at that one asset, track all the metrics of that one asset, and just aim to improve it. That makes sense. Um, 
we've seen companies that try to say, okay, we're, we're going to implement a, a reliability program across 10,000 pieces of equipment all at once. <laughs> wow. That's destined for failure. That's destined for a, you know, three-year implementation process um, and no, no, you know, constant feedback. So what we tell our customers, if you want to, you know, move into, let's call it the 21st century, right. um, just choose one. Commit to doing one asset, one piece of equipment. Maintenance is the most controllable cost of your department, of your of your company. Let's choose one. Let's choose one. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then I assume your solution is pretty scalable. Absolutely. Once you've done it for one piece of equipment, you know, you know what the challenges are. You know what the the metrics that you want to track are. You know. Um, you know, how you're going to track it and who's going to track it. But if you try to do all a thousand at once, what's going to happen is you're going to implement a solution, realize, oh, shoot, that's the wrong metric that I'm tracking. Right. You know, instead of, you know, machine downtime, what I want to look at is, you know, the planned versus unplanned jobs. The, 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 the thing that I want to track instead is, is actually, um, you know, part cost consumption and inventory levels. Um, if you do that for a thousand, ten thousand pieces of equipment, it's really difficult to untangle. Absolutely. Or get it right the first time. I, I think part of the challenge here is just the interconnectedness of some of these uh, systems that, uh, you know, it's sometimes it's hard to isolate one area. Right. Ryan, before I let you go, I, I, I wanted to ask if there was anything else that came out of your survey of maintenance managers that you might want to uh, share with our listeners? What else came out of our surveys? Um, I, I think the biggest thing, we might've talked about this already, Tim, um, was just, you know, kind of the lack of visibility that a lot of our customers, or a lot of the people that we surveyed had. Yeah. Um, when we asked about machine downtime, when we asked about, you know, overtime work versus, uh, or, or, or part inventory stock versus w- what they should be in stock. Um, a lot of customer, a lot of people that we surveyed had no idea. Wow. Um, Just the, the basic lack of visibility. Yeah, it was the lack of visibility. And, and you know, I hate to, to make this seem negative, um, but when you think about paper and pencil and, and Excel spreadsheets, you know, it's, it's very difficult to have that visibility. It's, it's almost, you know, impossible to have that visibility. Um, with paper and pencil because you've got stacks and stacks of paper that you've been accumulating for the past, you know, 18 months. How do you file a report? It's crazy. And it's not searchable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Ryan, this has been great. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much for joining us today. It's been fun. That was Ryan Chan, CEO and founder at Upkeep Maintenance Management. To learn more about Upkeep's mobile-first maintenance management software, why don't you go to www.onupkeep.com. This is Tim Rogers. Thanks again for joining us.